Astronomy Cast, episode 660, Runaways. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of University Today. I've been a space and astronomy journalist for over 20 years. With me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how you doing? I am doing well. If I don't sound the way I normally sound or look the way I normally look... I still haven't recovered where all my stuff is after uh, I was in Vegas for Annie Wilson's wedding, uh, Binary Blaze, one of our community members, uh, one of my good friends. And uh, unfortunately, during the travel, several people got COVID. So there was a come home, dump all belongings, get the phone call that people had tested positive, quarantine. And then chaos ensued. But you I didn't. didn't. Get, I did not get sick. I had a <sighs> random sore throat, which I'm going to blame on things I was allergic to. Yeah. I escaped. So, Good. folks, wear your masks. I I wore my KN95 like my life depended on it because it probably did. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so I managed to stay safe. I just... I haven't found my microphone or my <laughs> webcam, right. but congratulations to the beautiful couple. It was a fabulous ceremony, and uh, yeah, everyone is now home. Good. Well, hopefully by next week, you will have started to put your life back together. That's the goal. Moons orbit planets. Planets orbit stars. Stars orbit within galaxies. It's orbits all the way down. But occasionally, objects can receive a powerful kick that sends them on a journey never to return. So let's talk about orbits first. Let's say that you are on the surface of Earth and Superman is going to punch you really hard. Describe that would the be so bad. Describe <laughs> yes it would. Yes it would. Now describe <laughs> the trajectories here that we could be looking at if Superman gives you a punch. The pause here is the structural integrity of the human body is such that I'm not sure there's so much he's being punching another Superman. He's he's punching Iron Man. With yeah, the he's suits. punching the let's Hulk. With, he's punching the Hulk. Let's let's go with Iron Man because that steel sure. suit. I I have faith in that steel suit. Okay, sure. Superman's um, punching Iron Man. So so. Iron Man is is going to travel on what's called a conic section. So imagine, if you will, a round cone, like good old-fashioned ice cream cone. And you can cut a plane through that in a bunch of different ways. If you cut it just right, you'll get a perfect circle. Mm -hmm. And depending on how you do it, you may end up with a not entirely closed surface. So you can end up with what are called a parabola, a hyperbola, or an ellipse. Now, or a circle, if, which is, I guess, a type of ellipse. Is is a type of ellipse. So yeah, ellipses are defined as a nice closed shape that has two foci. That if you tie a string to both of them and you move that string around the foci. You'll end up with the ellipse, and depending on how far apart the foci are, you get a flatter and flatter ellipse. And if those two foci are in the exact same point, 
you get a circle. Isn't it foci? Maybe it's foci. Hmm. Um, right. So maybe it's Canadian just versus American English. Um, so, so Superman gives him a punch. Not very hard. Just a light tap. He goes up. He comes back down. So that's a ballistic trajectory. And now, it is a parabola? Well, you don't really have enough information to tell because he collided with the surface of the object. Hmm. Now, uh, it's entirely possible to have a perfectly healthy elliptical orbit that just happens to intersect the surface of a planet, which right. would be unfortunate, except right. in this right. case, Iron Man gets to keep breathing air right. that doesn't have to come from his suit. So, right. I guess you chose Iron Man for a reason here. So <laughs> the, and the, the, like he, but, and we know that, or to go into orbit around the earth is like 7.6 kilometers per second, 20,000 kilometers per hour. If Superman sideways. Yes. If Superman punched Iron Man that fast, he still wouldn't be in orbit. Yeah. It all depends on the exact angle of the punch. So if Superman punches him straight up so that, Mm -hmm. There is a, a line through the center of mass of the Earth uh, that extends straight through the surface of the planet, through Superman's fist, and sends Iron Man straight up. That kind of a, a punch is going to lead to a, a very skinny ellipse, so skinny, in fact, that it is a straight line. Mm. And again, a ballistic trajectory. And Iron Man is going to hit the surface of the planet on his way back down. Right. He's going to go up. Superman, if Superman doesn't move. He's going to come back down. Even yes. though he's punched him into orbital velocity speed, he's not going to be able to go into orbital velocity. Even if he punches him at an angle, he's just always going to be taking these parabolic ballistic trajectories and coming back down to to the surface. So how can yeah. Superman make sure that Iron Man doesn't return to hitting the earth again? He has to hit him sideways. So if he hits him so that you have the the surface of the planet, you have Iron Man on a pedestal off the surface of the planet. And no, he's, super- he's on the surface. He's just standing on the surface. He just punch, comes up and punches him. Okay, so if he just plain punches him, uh, he's going to have to uh, hit him hard enough that he goes into an elliptical orbit that has him going off the surface, coming back, grazing the surface of the planet. May there not be mountains on the other side. Right, And right, then coming right. back, and he hits Superman again. But if he punches so that, him like a, I mean, if he punches them a million kilometers an hour, like he's just in escape velocity. He's not coming back. That's where I'm yes. going with this. Okay, yes. He can escape if he hits him hard enough. Yes. Right, right. So, so you're going to have all of these various punches that are going to lead to various kinds of ballistic trajectories. He won't go into orbit. Iron Man is fine. Right. Iron Man's fine. He's fine. He can't go into orbit from these punches, right? He can only either 
return to hit the earth again or escape the earth entirely. Okay. So now Superman punches him and then flies up because he can and punches him again when he's in space. What can he do with him now? So, so with that double firing, it is possible to uh, put Iron Man in orbit. So the trick is you need Iron Man to, to get to a certain height and then stay at that height or at least stay away from the surface. And this is where I started to say I had him on a pedestal, because if you have him on a pedestal, you could just punch and he continues going around the planet at the height of the pedestal if you have exactly the right punch. Right. If you don't have that pedestal, you have to go up from the surface and then you have to turn. And that turn is what allows you to keep going around the planet instead of falling back down to the surface. Right. And so now that you are in orbit, mm-hmm. Iron Man is in orbit. He's fine. At every point, he's yes. perfectly fine. They're just having yes. fun. He's got all kinds of inertial dampeners on board. He can handle this an infinite amount. Um, you can ch- – every time Superman gives him a punch, it's going to change his orbit around the Earth. Yes. But it's not going to cause him to, say, spiral outward or spiral inward – Unless he goes it back could. to that. How could it be a spiral with one hit? No, it's going to have to be repeated hits to be right. a spiral. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's going to have to be repeated hits. All right. So then, right, Iron Man is orbiting around the Earth. Superman comes up, punches him in the direction opposite to his orbit. What happens to him? So if you decelerate... Uh, you are going to, this is where it gets trickstery, and the <laughs> right. astronauts, like... Let's say the exact amount of his orbital velocity. The exact amount of his orbital velocity, then he's going to go plunging back down to the surface right. of the planet. And if he is able to punch him in the direction of his orbit, another, say, 20 kilometers per second, what happens to him? That will ultimately end up changing the shape of the orbit and making it more and more elliptical unless it's at the exact right point in the orbit that the punch occurs and it was already elliptical, in which case you can make it circular. So you're going to change the shape of the orbit. Right. But at a certain point, he's putting him into orbit around the sun and no longer into orbit around the Earth. Yes, Yes, and this is something we've done with, like, the Spitzer Space Telescope. Um, yes, remember when Superman punched the Spitzer Space Telescope into orbit around the sun? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. All right, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I understand this This. This uh, analogy is starting to get a little tortured, so we'll, we'll shift gears and actually talk about actual objects. So the, the setup really, and I think it's really important to understand this, is like there are objects on escape trajectories that are leaving the solar system, that are leaving the Milky Way. How is this possible? What did it take to get these things into these new runaway trajectories? Well, we we assume that it wasn't Superman punching them. 
<laughs> we yeah. don't actually have evidence that it wasn't Superman punching them, but we're pretty sure that wasn't the case. Yeah. And, and so quite often with the things that we believe are escaping our solar system or have escaped other solar systems, it's due to interactions with two other objects. There's what's called the three-body problem, and we did an entire episode on it long, long, long ago. And there are certain systems of three bodies that can end up ejecting one of the bodies quite violently out of the system. This quite often happens when you have two similarly massed objects and then a little one gets involved. And if that little one isn't in a dead locked in orbit around one or the other of the objects, if it's like shared between the two of them, it can just get flat out ejected in all sorts of wild and crazy ways. Now you say, say fairly violent, but it doesn't actually have to be because when you've got, say the Oort cloud surrounding the sun, the objects that are out in the Oort cloud have almost no additional escape velocity that's required. They're teetering right on the edge and almost any amount of, of three-body interaction will kick them over the edge and cause them to drift away from the sun. And, and, and this is where I, I have to admit I'm thinking of stars and globular clusters as my baseline for sure. this at all times. You could have a, a star come relatively close and the three-body interaction between the star and the sun and the Kuiper Belt and the Oort Cloud object causes it to drift away from the solar system. And now it's gone interstellar. So it doesn't have to be catastrophic. It can be, and you can even, you can have a situation where a comet falls into the inner solar system and it should return back out to the Oort cloud, but it interacts Jupiter on its way through, goes near Ganymede, gets a kick, and now it's over the, it's now has enough speed on the way back out again that it is it will overcome the sun's escape velocity and away it goes again into the into the larger galaxy. And this is one of the really awesome things to think about where we have these these comets that we see coming in on hyperbolic or parabolic orbits where we know they're leaving our solar system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so we know that objects that have passed near our sun have been influenced by our sun, weathered by our sun, are now going to go and eventually make their way into another solar system out there. We also know that if there are objects that are getting flung inwards, there's objects that are getting flung outwards. So there are also icy bodies that have never interacted with our sun that are getting flung outwards. And if we're flinging things outward, there must be other solar systems doing the exact same thing. And now we have observed that occurring with Amuamua. It's it's a trading of icy bodies mm-hmm. all over the galaxy. Yeah. There was a I've read a couple of papers on this. It's estimated that there are thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of objects of these transferred or cloud objects from other star systems passing through the solar system at any time. And so tens of thousands of our objects are, have left the solar system. Like it's mind bending to think when you think about that and then you think about the age of the, of the Milky way, how long 
or the age of the sun, how long this process has been happening and how much material is getting from star system to star system. Now, you were sort of getting a little more violent. And so let's kick that back up a notch and talk about how planets can leave on a hurry very rapidly. So what can cause a planet to leave a solar system very quickly? Well, a planet can leave a solar system if there is some kind of a three-body interaction between it and a couple of other planets in the solar system. It is thought that our solar system may have had many more planets than what it currently has, depending on your value of planet. And uh, three-body interactions between Saturn, Jupiter, and those objects led to them getting flung not just further out in the solar system, but out of the solar system entirely. It's kind of cool to think that there may be these isolated planets that got stuff from the early Earth, stuff from the early Mars flung onto them and are now carrying those samples away to other places in our galaxy. And this idea of of rogue planets, I mean, a few have now been found through gravitational microlensing. It's estimated that there could be as much as as many rogue planets in the Milky Way as there are regular planets. That's probably a high estimate, but still, um, there are going to be in the hundreds of millions or billions. So we've talked about planets. And how they can either through three body interactions of the of the within the system, or you know, you could obviously have a black hole or a star get very close and 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 kick a bunch of planets out into space as well. Um, so I want to talk about stars that are on an escape trajectory. All right, let's talk about stars. So, what can cause a star? to go on a runaway trajectory? So three-body problems are still a thing. There's research that shows that globular clusters somewhat beat like a heart because they they will condense down over time, getting more and more uh, combined systems. But then as those systems get towards the core, they'll undergo interactions that fling things out into much larger orbits so they'll expand back out. And and so you have these star-star interactions that will fling an additional star. But the thing that is is new once we get to the stellar level of interactions, so you can also get things flung out during supernovae. And and this is one of the things where we've seen many different runaway stars. And what is thought to happen is you have you have the giant star you have its companion and the bigger of them evolves first evolves evolves gets big and hits the point where it's no longer generating uh energy in its core collapses down and the collapse drives nuclear explosion essentially and the force of this can Ling that that companion star uh, at a runaway velocity. You can also end up with asymmetric supernovae that just fling stars on their own. So, 
so the the actual like the blast of the supernova is hurling the star out because like my assumption was that it was like a slingshot like the you've got the star and the going around this other star and then suddenly the star is no longer there right and now the star is is on a slingshot trajectory so to say it's not still there depends on the kind of supernova. Mm, so it, okay. it is it is this combination of... Oh, it's a great you, point. Yeah, right. Because you could have it either completely disappear or end up with a neutron star or black hole. Exactly. So yeah. you, you have the leftover relic. You have the, the explosion outward is going to exert force on things. And you have the change in the distribution of mass is going to change the interaction of things. End of the day, that companion star is 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 in many cases gone. Not mm-hmm. all cases. It's deeply confusing that we keep finding systems that have an advanced star and a companion star, and and we know supernovae have occurred, but they're still together. So we're still figuring out all of the dynamics here, but. Sometimes you end up just with a supernova remnant and nothing inside, in which case the runaway object is running away from itself, <laughs> which we all understand at a fundamental level. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, so, so like the, the, the supernova goes off and it's not equal. And so it's almost like it fires exactly. a thruster. Yes, and, wow. and so that asymmetric supernova explosion will leave you with your supernova remnant and the star is running away from it. And, and I just love the, the conceptual idea of this where the supernova basically makes a giant mass, explodes all over the place, and runs away from the mess it made. So with stars, we can get this situation where you've got the, the 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 supernova is symmetrical or not symmetrical, and so the star is given like yes. a giant thrust. You can have the situation where the star goes off and it blasts away its companion star with its normal ex- enormous explosion. You can have a situation where the star vaporizes completely, and now the star yes. is on a slingshot trajectory. And in all cases, there's one last scenario that I think is, is interesting is with a supermassive black hole. You can have a situation where a supermassive black hole can be kicked out on an escape velocity, right? So this is, this is another multi-body problem where in this case, it's the two galaxies coming into merge Mm. that, that is leading to this situation. And so you have these two supermassive black holes and Instead of orbiting and merging, the collision and all the physics involved as they pass to and fro can end up flinging one of the black holes entirely away. And we think this is what explains the fact that there are a lot of merged systems out there that don't have evidence for two supermassive black holes in their centers. So like the supermassive black hole just bounces off the other one. And is off. I wouldn't. I wouldn't use. I don't the know. Bounce word. is the right word, bounce? but it, like it, instead of it, but like instead of it, like if it's not large enough, then it just yeah. it doesn't merge. It just is. 
it just gets kicked out when it gets too it's, close. It's all of the multiple passes and gravitational tugs to and fro and everything else that is going on can just fling it away. That's crazy. All right. Thank you, Pamela. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you to all of our patrons out there. Uh, this week, I would like to thank in particular Matthew Horstman, Alex Cohen, Philip Walker, David Gates, Claudia Mastriani, Matthias Hayden, Kensaya Pianflenko, Justin Proctor, Jim Schooler, Scott Beaver, Scott Cohn, Daniel Loosely, Gregory Singleton, Disastrina, Jeff Wilson, Tim McMacken, Kenneth Ryan, Cooper, Omar Del Riviera, Alan Moan, Iran uh, Zagreb, Ninja Nick, Stephen Shoewalker, Paul D. Disney, Don Mundus, uh, Janelle, a.k.a. Veronica Cure, Michelle Cullen, Michael Regan, Benjamin Mueller, J. Alex Alexanderson, Dean McDaniel, Matt Rucker, Scott Briggs, and Antisaur, Frodo Tannenbaum, Shearsome, uh, Bruce Amazine, Benjamin Kerr, Peter, Moose and Deer, Jim McGeehan, Philip Grand, Mark Stephen Rasnack, Father Prax, Brent Nirnop, Dustin Ralph, Abraham Contrell. Thank you all so very much for everything you do. To all our editors who have their work cut out for them today <laughs> to yeah. uh, be paid and to keep our show going. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Astronomy Cast is a joint product of Universe Today and the Planetary Science Institute. Astronomy Cast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license. So love it, share it, and remix it. But please credit it to our hosts, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can get more information on today's show topic on our website, astronomycast.com. This episode was brought to you thanks to our generous patrons on Patreon. If you want to help keep this show going, please consider joining our community at patreon.com slash astronomycast. Not only do you help us pay our producers a fair wage, you will also get special access to content right in your inbox and invites to online events. We are so grateful to all of you who have joined our Patreon community already. Anyways, keep looking up. This has been Astronomy Cast. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.